Well, a little bit later on this afternoon, I was uh, thinking of heading down to uh, Barden Park, which is our local athletics park in uh, North Dubbo, and I was thinking of trying doing something that's never been done before. You know, the Beijing Olympics, they start in five days, and getting in the mood, fancy myself as a bit of an athlete, and uh, I was going to head down to Barden Park and try and long jump <laughs> 10 metres. Uh, just in case uh, you're not sure how far that is, just to give you an idea, 10 metres is roughly from where I'm standing to the PA desk. It's going to get a bash. <laughs> now, look, what makes it even more ridiculous that I would try and jump 10 metres is that no one in the history of the world has ever even jumped 9 metres, let alone 10 metres. Uh, you might recall Bob Beeman in uh, 1968 in the Mexico City Games he broke the then world record by a massive 55 centimetres when he jumped 8.9 metres. And it wasn't for another 23 years in 1991 when Mike Powell finally broke Bob Beeman's record, but he only beat it by 5 centimetres. He jumped 8.95 metres and his record still stands today. Uh, no one has ever jumped more than 9 metres. So for me to say, I'm going to go and try and jump 10 metres, well, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? There's no point even trying. If the best of the best can't get it done, if they can't even get close, well, then I certainly can't. And so there's no point heading down this afternoon because I won't be there. I'm not going to try. <laughs> now, look, that in a nutshell is Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 to 21. That's what it's all about. There were people in the Galatian church trying to do something that just couldn't be done. The best in the business had already tried and failed, and if the best couldn't pull it off, then what made them think that they could? Like me trying to jump, long jump, 10 metres. It's pointless. It won't work. Now, what were these people trying to do? Well, they were trying to get Gentiles, that's people that aren't Jews, they were trying to get Gentiles to be justified before God by obeying his Old Testament law. And what these verses in Galatians is uh, basically saying to us is this. The Jews, the ones who were given God's law, the one that the law was intended for, they tried to be justified by the law and it didn't work for them. So what makes us think that Gentiles could use it and it would work for us? Now, there's a few tricky ideas in, uh, these, in the verses we're looking at this morning. But what we're dealing with is really it's right at the heart of what it means to be right with God. Uh, it, Getting this right, understanding these verses rightly, will literally secure us for an eternity. Understanding these verses right will mean we'll praise God as we should. Thinking through these verses, it can literally change your life. So let's hook in and have a look. Chapter 2 and verse 15. Chapter 2, verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law but by faith in Jesus Christ. The heart of the issue in these verses is one of being justified. And so we're going to need to know what that is. So we're up to point uh, 1A on your outline. Being justified is a legal term. Uh, you'll hear it, if you like, in a courtroom. So to be justified in a courtroom is for a judge to declare you not guilty. To be justified is for a judge to say, you are innocent. To be justified is different from being forgiven. It's not forgiveness, it's different. 
If we were in a courtroom and there was going to be forgiveness, if a judge was going to forgive, forgiveness might lessen a sentence, but it does not mean that the judge finds in, the, in your favour. If there's going to be forgiveness, it's saying, well, the judge is saying you're still guilty, but I'm, I'm willing to forgive you and so might let you go. Whereas justification is saying, no, 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 you're not guilty, you're innocent. You're innocent. Now, why do, you, why do you and I need justification? Why do we need to be justified? Well, it's because one day you and I are going to find ourselves before God, the judge of the living and the dead. One day we'll stand before God and he knows everything about us, all our good, all our bad, everything of it and you have ever said or thought or done. He knows it all and God will judge us. It'll be like being in his courtroom. Now that's a scary thought. Because as we thought about last week, you and I are part of what Paul calls this present evil age. Remember, that's just this life and this world that's characterised by sin and death and headed for judgement. And you and I, naturally, that's the age we're part of. We're all naturally sinners. We are naturally left to ourselves. We're guilty of the things that God hates. None of us are perfect. God knows everything that has gone on in your head. He knows everything that has ever gone on through your mind, gone in in your heart. He knows every word that has passed from your lips. He knows it all. And left to ourselves, well, before God, we're guilty. And he will send us to hell. One day we'll find ourselves in God's courtroom and for us guilty sinners in the courtroom of God our problem is how on earth could God possibly justify us call us not guilty because we are we're guilty how can God justify us it's clear that we need it we definitely need it we'd beg for it if we could but how do we get it How do we get it? Well, have a look at verse 15 again. Paul is going to tell us three times, three times how we get it, and he's going to tell us three times how we don't get it. He wants us to be very clear about this. He wants us to make sure we don't miss it. How can we be justified? Verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. It's repetitive, isn't it? Three times he says, you are not justified by observing the law. Three times he says, you are justified by faith in Christ. Uh, One time I was in Geelong uh, visiting Catherine and I was staying in a caravan park and uh, there was this little little child uh, hanging around my car playing with his toys and it sure looked like he was going to scratch it or damage it and uh, I I told him to move away from my car I was very keen for him to move it was my very first car I didn't want it scratched and so I wasn't being a big bad meanie and I was was very nice and gentle but I told him three times if he could move didn't say the same thing the three times I said it different ways but basically I told him three times I I wanted him to know that I wanted him to move well here Paul wants us to know how we're justified and how we're not justified. And so he tells us three times each. 
He clearly wants us to get this, so we're going to work through it slowly. Have a look at verse 15 again. Verse 15, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, we know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. The we in those verses are Jewish Christians. Right at the start, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile Christians. The we in all these verses is Jewish Christians. And the Jewish Christians, they know that you can't be justified by observing the law. Now that is a radical thought, particularly for Paul's day. Because you you need to remember that the Jews were the people that God's Old Testament law, his Old Testament commands, or his words, and the Jews were the ones that his law was intended for. The Jews were the ones that his law was given to. They're the ones that got it. They're the ones it was intended for. And they tried to use it to justify themselves before God, and it didn't work. Christian Jews, they know that to be justified, they needed their faith in Christ. And so that's what they did. Look again, halfway through verse 16, halfway through. So we too, that's we Christian Jews, so we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law, no one will be justified. You see, even the ones for whom the law was given, even the ones for whom the law was intended, even they are justified by faith in Christ. Because no one will be, will be justified by observing the law. And you've got to remember, the reason Paul's writing this is because there's people in the Galatian church trying to tell Gentiles to appeal to try and justify themselves with the, with the law. But not even the Jews could justify themselves with the law. So what were the Gentiles going to try and do that for? Mike Powell can't jump nine metres. Why would I try? The Jews couldn't be justified using the Old Testament law. Why would we try? What Paul's railing against here, what he's fighting against is people who think that they can be good enough for God. He's he's railing against people who think that they can justify themselves. Because if you're going to be justified by observing the law, God's commands in the Old Testament, then you're trusting yourself to be good enough in your obedience to the law. You're trusting yourself to be able to obey the law well enough for God to declare you innocent. And Paul is saying three times each, trusting in yourself to justify yourself cannot, does not, will not work because left to ourselves, we are guilty sinners. We are morally bankrupt in the courtroom of god we're guilty 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 christ on the other hand is pure sinless perfect and paul's exciting news here is that when your faith is in christ then he shares his purity with you He justifies you. He shares his moral purity with those who trust in him. When your faith is in Christ, God sees you in Christ. In other words, God sees you with the perfection of Christ and so you're justified before God in Christ. 
it's not just that your sins are forgiven, they're also replaced with Christ's perfection. It's like you have a bad apple. It's rotten, bruised, mouldy. It's got maggots in it and you don't want it. You don't want it. And then someone comes along and they not only take your bad apple away, but they replace your rotten apple with a beautiful, fresh, crisp, rounded, perfect apple. When you trust in Christ, he not only takes your sins away, he also replaces your sins with his perfection. And so before God, we can be justified, declared innocent of sin when we have our sins replaced with Christ's purity. But only Christ can do this. Our good Good things, you know, good outweigh the bad. Our good, they can't even wipe out our bad, let alone replace it. But Christ can do both. Now, why is it Christ and not the law, as if we haven't got enough reasons already? Why is it Christ that has to justify us and we can't do it ourselves and we can't just muster up enough self-effort and be good enough? Why is it Christ and not the law? Well, Paul gives a couple of reasons in the next few verses. And the first reason he gives why it's faith in Christ and not the law that's going to justify us is because the law was never intended to justify people. It was never intended to justify. The law was intended to show people that they needed something else in order to justify them. It shouts out itself saying, don't turn to me. I can't justify you. Look somewhere else. Have a look at verse 17. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I'm a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. That little phrase there, through the law, I died to the law. It just means that the law itself convinces me that I would abandon it as a way of justifying myself. The law itself shouts out, don't look to me to justify yourself. The second reason justification comes through Christ and and not the law, not being good enough, not self-effort, is because if I could be justified through the law, well, then that means Christ died for nothing. If we could be justified before God by the law, well, then Christ had no reason to die because we could already be justified. But he did die. Have a look at verse 21. Verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If you can get justified without Christ's death for us, Well, what sort of sick God are we worshipping that would have his son killed anyway? It doesn't make any sense. But that's the point. There there was no other way. There was no other way. And so thank God that his son did die so that we could be justified. Now, look, if you're finding verses 17 to 21 a little bit tricky, uh, that's okay. 
uh, Paul actually returns to these ideas in chapters 5 and 6 and we're going to hit those ideas uh, a little bit later in the year and we'll flesh them out then. But for now, the bottom line is this. There's two reasons why it's not the law. One, the law itself says, I can't justify. And two, if the law could justify it, then why did Christ die? He did die. And so it's not the law. It's not... It's not being good enough. It's not doing things yourself. As Paul says in, in our verse 16, we know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Which means for you and I, it is absolutely useless. It is pointless to appeal to God's law in the Old Testament in order to justify myself as if I could front up on that last great day before God, my judge, and appeal to the Ten Commandments and say, but I kept them, didn't I, God? It's a brave man that appeals to the Ten Commandments to justify... You ever actually closely read the Ten You actually honestly think you could keep? The law will not justify us. But look, we might not appeal to the law or God's commandments. Uh, we might just go for generally being good, you know, nice people, uh, helpful people cooperative with other people, uh, reliable, you know, the soul of the earth type person that people uh, talk about, just trying to be good enough, maybe hoping that our good will outweigh our bad, and so God will say, well, you know, you you did okay, come on in. Paul wants us to know very clearly that cannot, it does not, and it will not work. We cannot be good enough for God. We might want to get a little bit more specific, though. We might want to try and um, justify ourselves by saying, well, look, God, I went to church almost every single Sunday. Uh, I've been in Bible study groups for decades. I joined mission teams. I even went to Wyra Beach. I've been on church committees. I've taught Sunday school. It does not, cannot, will not work. God cannot be impressed by our goodness. No amount of self-effort can wipe away our sins. We can't replace our sins with what we need, and that's purity and perfection. We can't do it. It doesn't work. And look, most of us here today, we already know all this, and this is great, isn't it? It's fantastic. Yes, Alan, of course we need Jesus. Of course we can't justify ourselves. Bring on Jesus. We need him, yes. But we also need to be aware that we're in dangerous territory here. Because this desire to justify ourselves, it actually runs very deep. And it runs through our veins. And we all tend to want to justify ourselves. And it's very dangerous. And so it might, be, it might surface when someone says to you, how do you know you're Christian? What's the first thing that pops into your head? Do you start thinking of the things you've done, the way you've looked after your family, the sacrifices that you've made for Jesus, the Christian decisions you've made throughout your life, the people that you've helped become Christians, the people that you've helped remain Christian, uh, the meals you've cooked. The, is, that, is that where your confidence before God lies? Because that's all about you and what you've done. And it will cut no ice with God. We can't impress him. We can't make ourselves good enough. It just doesn't work like that. 
Or this sort of attitude might reveal itself uh, in your approach to prayer. I've certainly found myself uh, thinking along these lines. Have you ever not prayed because you didn't feel godly enough to pray? That if I'm going to talk to God, I feel like I should have at least some semblance of respectability or integrity before I even start. I feel like I've got to be, I've got to have some level of being good enough before I can talk to God as if Jesus' death wasn't enough to bring me to God and I've got to pitch in and help him out. You see, even in our sure knowledge that it's Jesus that we need to justify us, even in that sure not we can still fall into the trap of thinking that God has me or he keeps me because of all the good things I do. But as Paul says, we know that a man is not justified by observing the law because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Trusting in ourself does not, cannot, will not work. It's Christ and Christ alone. You can't wipe away your sins. You can't replace them with the purity and the perfection that you need. But in Christ, when we trust in him, we are made ready right now to stand before God, our judge. When we trust in Christ's death, our sins are taken away. When we trust in Christ, he replaces our sins with his perfection. And so we're ready for the judgment day right now because we've been justified already. Given the verdict of innocent now, And so why would you look elsewhere? Why would you try by yourself? Why would you? Uh, Ray Galea, in his uh, book, Nothing in My Hand I Bring, he writes beautifully about coming to God with nothing and uh, relying on Christ alone. He says this, and I quote, It is profoundly humbling, humiliating even, to stand before the cross of Christ and be forced to admit there's nothing I can say, nothing I can do, nothing I can put forward in my own defence. All I have in my hand to offer are my sins. Oh God, please forgive me. The strange thing is, though, that this moment of base humility at the cross is also the moment of great joy. When you realise that your salvation is accomplished not by anything that you can do or contribute, but only through Christ's sacrifice, well, there's peace and assurance and comfort like no other. The weight of a lifetime sin falls from your shoulders and lands at the foot of the cross and you realise that Jesus meant what he said. It is finished. When Christ died, he finished his work. He took away our sins and he replaced them with his perfection. And nothing else can do that. Nothing else will work. But Christ does. And so we too have put our faith in Christ that we may be justified by faith in Christ. Because you know you can't do it yourself don't you? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you that though we are guilty, you are willing to justify us through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and his death in our place, that there he wipes away our sins. And in him we are given his perfection and his purity, that we might be able to stand before you justified, not guilty, innocent, because of your grace to us in Jesus. Father, thank you. And we pray that our confidence before you would always rest in Jesus and in Jesus alone because he is our only hope. Amen.